Welcome to Courageous Parenting Podcast, a weekly show to equip parents with biblical truth on raising confident Christian kids in an uncertain world. Hi, I'm Angie from Courageous Mom. And I'm Isaac from Resolute Man. We've been married 19 years and have seen the fruit in raising our eight kids biblically based on the raw truth found in the Bible. We can no longer let the culture win the hearts of children. Too many children from Christian families are walking away from the faith by age 18, and it doesn't have to be this way. It shouldn't be this way. Join us as we start an important conversation about effective parenting in a fallen world. Things are cruising. You guys know we started this in Jan- just before January, going right into Christmas. That's right. So it's been an amazing year. Thanks for being on the ride with us. Uh, Today's episode, 12 Signs That You Have a Child-Centered Home. Now, I thought about that title, and I wonder if some people think that's a positive thing. A child-centered home? Yeah, I mean, it kind of sounds, it could sound positive, but it's actually (laughs) not positive. Yeah. We want a God-centered home, right, honey? That's right. And we want to make sure that we have our priorities straight. That it doesn't go kids, marriage, God, or kids, God, marriage, but yeah. God, marriage, kids. You might be surprised by some of these. So don't just go, oh, that's not me. I would listen to this. I believe every single person will relate to some of these. And mm-hmm. we have related to some of these in our past. Yeah. I mean, there's, and again, like all of our other podcasts that we talk about issues like this, you guys, there's ditches on either side of the road. Right. And so I have also known people who have kind of put their marriage on a pedestal to a point where they weren't doing much of the parenting. In fact, they were delegating it to their older kids Mm -hmm. and they weren't being present or they weren't really putting in the relational effort with their kids. Yeah, so it can go the other way too. It can go the other way. Yeah. So, but here's the thing here's why this is encouraging to fix and work on if you see an area or several areas that convict you in this episode because the more this is true the harder your parenting will be so if you just have one out of these 12 that's true you might feel like your parenting is going pretty good but if you have many of these it might explain why you can even have a hard time thinking of having more kids that's true. Yeah. I mean, a lot of times parents get overwhelmed by the thought of having more kids or taking on a new responsibility, something like homeschooling, right? Yeah. Because they just already feel overwhelmed and exhausted by their parenting. And it's because they're actually, it's almost like they're c- trying to control their child so much mm. that it's exhausting. Mm. It's that it's like you're directing all day long and you can't envision being able to do that with two or three or four or five or, you know. Yeah. So anyway. So what we want is the biblical truth about parenting and making it centered on God and the biblical truths. And so we're going to awesome. go through that today. And really, right before we do here, the, the risk here is that we're creating entitlement in our kids. And so if you've ever ran into children that are older that are really entitled or young workers in the workforce that are really entitled, or if you've ever experienced that sense of entitlement yourself where I deserve things just because I'm me, not because I worked hard. Right. Okay. If that exists, then it's probably because they were raised in a child-centered home. That's right. Or at least a few of these things that we're going to cover for sure. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. So we're going to go into them, but uh, please give us a review. That's how the podcast gets discovered and it's growing again right now. So encouraging. Thank you, everybody that's been sharing it. Mm -hmm. Uh, The last episode just on Facebook alone got shared over 136 times since uh, five days ago, four days ago. So Mm -hmm. just really helps. Uh, If you give us a five-star review by just hitting the tap, that's all you got to do. Tap it on iTunes. That'd be amazing. And you can get all the show notes at CourageousParenting.com. Hit podcast. So, uh, number one, you want to kick it off? Sure. So, number one sign that you might have a child-centered home or a child-centric home, as Mm -hmm. we like to call it, is that maybe your kids are resisting authority. Now, there's some truth to that in most homes if you have little, little kids. That's right, because they're learning who's in charge. It's kind of like... Chickens in a chicken coop. There's a pecking order, <laughs> right? No, I'm serious. That's true. If you've ever had any animals, I could even relate it to dogs. There's the alpha dogs and yeah. the, you know, then the not alpha dogs. <laughs> and it's just, there is a testing period and kids go through these periods during times of transition. Yeah. Like for example, bringing home a new baby. Mm-hmm. A lot of times the older siblings will test boundaries, see how much they can get away with and manipulate they test things they'll resist authority yeah that's actually normal in a sense Mm -hmm. but what we're talking about is a heart attitude where the child is consistently resistant to you as the authority figure as the mom in obedience and also resistant to other authority so then what happens as a parent is you bend to the resistance of your kids Mm -hmm. So you find you what do you call that steering to something else? Oh yeah, direct direct, direct. Dr- direction Red- redirecting redirecting yes. redirecting is the word. So mm-hmm. you so you redirect. You're, they're focused on wanting something, and so and you, you try to distract them with something else. So I don't know if you've ever seen this happen, where like a kid is about to become disobedient. Yeah. They're not going to obey mom. L- let's just make something up, okay? They are getting into a toy that yeah. you have just put away. And they're getting it out again. And you tell them, no, don't get that out. And you see them disobeying you and you go over and you pick them up and you take them to something, some other area and distract them with something else instead of letting them actually go through the process of choosing to disobey or obey and get the consequence. Yeah, because see see how bad that is. If they got happy with the next thing you gave them, you just gave them something better and you rewarded disobedience. Actually, yeah, and you're ignoring, you're not even letting them walk through the steps to see if there's an opportunity for training. And so there's a huge danger in this because your child, that heart attitude of disobedience is never going to change. No, it just gets worse. It's going to get worse and worse and worse. And I'm going to be really honest with you. You're going to be exhausted. And if they can't obey you when they're young, they'll have a hard time obeying obeying you when you're older. And if they don't obey you when you're older, they're going to have an even harder time obeying God when they're out of your house. It's true. If they can't obey you and they can see you, hear you, feel you, they know you love them. Yeah. How are they going to ever obey God? Yeah. It's just, this is a really big deal. Okay. So Hebrews 13, 17 one of my favorite verses. That's a good one. Obey those who rule over you and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls as those who must give account. Now, I have mentioned in many podcasts, mm-hmm. and we talk about this more in depth and look at what scripture says, that parents are held accountable yeah. for 
their children, yeah. in a sense. Now, your children are going to grow up. They're going to be autonomous individuals that are responsible for their own spiritual walk. 100% agree yeah. there. However, if they are not following the Lord because of your lack of discipleship, mm-hmm. because of your lack of discipline, because of you, you're going to be held accountable for that. That's what this says. Obey those who rule over you and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls. Now, this is talking about church leadership right here. Mm -hmm. However, it's directly talking about parenting, too, because when kids are younger, you are watching over their their, souls. It's your jurisdiction. It's your jurisdiction. Deuteronomy 6. And how are they ever going to stick to a church when they need to be corrected or held accountable? If they've never received it in the home. If they've never received it from the home. They're just going to jump churches and go to whatever's, you know, pleasures their eyes and ears yeah that's interesting because i'm just even thinking about you may be listening right now and of course you're thinking about your children right and you're thinking about how they resist authority but can i just ask you do you have a hard time submitting your will Mm. to authority in your life have you placed yourself in such an independent space where you actually are not held accountable to anybody there is no one that's going to say hey excuse me buddy you should step down from running that church Mm -hmm. there's nobody that's holding you accountable going um your marriage the way you're doing this you shouldn't be in ministry or whatever right like we actually god it says this passage is here for our good because god loves us it says he disciplines those he loves. That's right. And we, if you don't want to be disciplined, I mean, man, I don't like it when God disciplines me. Right. Then we need to submit to the authorities that he's put in our place. And if we don't, if we don't have authorities, then we actually should seek them out. Don't you agree? I totally agree. So you always should have some authority in your life and we should be yielded to God's authority and they should see that. Yeah. Actually, you just said what I was thinking. They should see it, meaning our kids should see us submitted to authority so that they can do it. We don't want to be hypocritical parents that are like, obey me, I'm in authority. And then they don't ever see it modeled for them. Like the best scenario here is that a parent or an adult is submitted to the authority or leadership in their church. Yeah. Right. And they are walking out their life biblically in front of their kids. Their kids see that. Yeah. And then when the parents are also in that position of authority, the kids get it. Now, this could be a whole episode, but we have 11 more, so we're going to move on. But real quick is consistently correcting your kids is important if you want them to respect your authority and doing it in love. Yes. Which isn't always touchy-feely. Right. Okay. There's a process. We have 10 steps for that in the parenting program. But Mm -hmm. so point number two is this one's kind of light. It's practical. It's kind of practical and light is if you cook different meals for for different different kids kids. in the same mealtime. Okay. So guess why we were able to put that on there? That's something that I struggled with a long time ago when we were first time moms. I'll just be real honest with you. I'm a dad, not a mom's. Oh, yeah. So you parents, um, I didn't know what I was doing when I became a mom. Did Uh, you know what you were doing? Nothing. No, we didn't know what we were doing as parents. And so we sought out mentors and we read a lot. Well, I read a lot of books on parenting. You were busy running a business. and You would give me the debrief. I would kind of. And I read What to Expect the First Year. And in there, I remember this. 
this is such a lie. Guys, don't believe this. Don't do this. They literally said, make baby food, then make finger foods, and then make toddler foods. And there was literally examples. And because of my personality type, I literally obeyed everything that it laid out for me because I didn't want to screw up my kid, Mm -hmm. right? And then what happens? She's the pickiest eater on the planet. She was the pickiest eater. I didn't know that was your fault. It was 100% (laughs) my fault. And we ended up like realizing it by the third kid I wasn't doing this anymore instead i was taking what i had cooked for our family meal blending it up or cutting it up into smaller pieces so that they could actually eat it of course being careful not to feed them eggs or whatever right meal for everyone one meal for everybody and guys here's here are some questions to ask yourself you maybe don't maybe you don't cook a different meal for every kid but do you ever just make a menu and cook what's on the menu without asking your kids Oh, do you like tuna casserole? Oh, yeah. Okay, so J- June doesn't like it. So maybe we shouldn't have it at all. And do you, you see what I'm saying? Like, I'm not saying pick things your kids don't like. Yeah. We have spaghetti. We have Taco Tuesday. But the reality is, is when we're making tacos, everybody eats tacos. Nobody can get up and go and get spaghetti out of the fridge or make a soup when I've made tacos. Yeah. No, we all eat the same thing. So don't do that. That might be a sign, though, that you have a child-centric home. And you know what? Here's here's another little question. Another, You might have a child-centric home if you can't eat out at other restaurants because you're afraid your kids aren't going to eat it. Mm-hmm. And they... Or, or other people's houses, or yeah. even having people over to your house for hospitality. It so, kills a lot of things. Kills it a lot kills of your things. hospitality. Yep, it kills yep, a lot of things because yep. you fear of how your kids are going to, yeah. what they're going to eat and so forth. So the third one is if you pay your kids to do the regular chores you might have a child-centric home. The reason is, is this is a horrible idea because it creates entitlement (laughs) and pretty soon they're only helping to get paid. That is not the acts of service the Bible talks about that we're supposed to teach in our kids. Well, and we're a family. Like, do you guys want a culture in your family that is a team culture? I bet most of you would say, yeah, I totally want that team culture. Well, one of the best ways to actually cultivate that is to say, hey, everybody has a part to play. We are a team Tolpen. That's what we've said forever. We're team Tolpen. Everybody gets to contribute. That means we have a schedule of who's on dish duty and you got teams rotating yeah um, people are cleaning up that nobody We're gets paid for chores here it's uh and our culture driver one of them is we versus, versus me. me now does that mean that they don't ever earn money no but that's a totally different podcast that we'll talk about next time because you do want your kids to have ways to earn money but what we're talking about is if you are doing everything around the house maybe and you're not even letting them do chores you might have a child-centric home if you are paying them to do chores because you feel like they're serving you versus being a part of the team and contributing you might have a centered home or 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 not letting them help out right like the knives and all that stuff yeah and that's that's the other aspect of chores is like do you not let them do the laundry for example because you're afraid they're going to turn it all pink or cut themselves by helping you because you're not willing to train them right and you know what guys as far as like all that kind of stuff again that's a totally different topic we actually go over some of this in the parenting program because there are age appropriate slash maturity appropriate ages for letting them have a knife and cutting we're just using that as an example. Yeah. So if you are not allowing your kids to take on responsibility and you're doing it all, you're going to be exhausted. Oh, yeah. I want to take a moment and give you something for free if you haven't got it already is the date night one sheet. 
It is a beautiful document you can download that will have some key questions on it for your date night to just get in alignment about what's most important for your family. No matter what time of year, it's always important to recalibrate. You can get that by going to CourageousParenting.com and subscribing to our mailing list. Um, also, you can get all of our show notes and everything at CourageousParenting.com. And I also just want to share real quick about the Parenting Mentor Program. So many families are being transformed by going through this. Uh, it's the six-week self-paced program uh, with live engagement from us and even direct interaction. So if you want to join us, uh, here's a little bit more about it. and You can find out more at CourageousParenting.com. Steve and I realized that we were getting too comfortable with the world's vision of how to raise our children. What Angie and Isaac have done in creating this is literally phenomenal. This program provided awesome scripture-based teachings and just some really great practical applications. This class has just really rocked my world. It has given me a vision for not just the different things that we might focus on as parents who are trying to raise our kids biblically, like how our kids are behaving or what we're doing with discipline, but also the things of the heart. We now have a game plan to how we want to raise our children. We have so many answers to the questions that have been in our mind. It's not just these hypothetical situations or it's not just this, here's what I think you should do. It's let me show you where in scripture this is. Do your legacy a favor and yourself a favor and just do it. One of the best things that we've done this year, one of the best investments we've made this year, and I could not recommend it more. We're no longer fearing dark days ahead, but we're so excited to raise lights to be leaders for the next generation. Number four is kind of a big deal. Friendships are more important than godliness. Mm. And Isaac, you have a scripture verse on this. Yeah, uh, second, oh, we're, that's... Second Timothy 3, 2 through 5. Okay, second Timothy 2... Three, Second Timothy three. Sorry, guys. Uh, we'll get to it in a second here. Just say it again. Second Timothy three, two through five. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. So we do mm. not want that happening. And number four, friendships are more important than godliness is it's not just friendships, it's all kinds of things become more important than godliness. We're like, oh, let them be kids, let them do what they want. But what we're- Oh yeah, boys will be boys. Boys will be boys. Kids but, will be kids. but what we're failing yeah. at is realizing godliness mm. needs to be the center of the decisions around this. And, we and need, it's our expectation. Yeah. For how we should be living. And if we're just giving into our kids because we want them to be happy, then yeah. we might have some wounds from our past that are driving this soft approach that leads to ungodliness. You know, that's actually, so that brings up a whole different topic that, you know, as we're going through these, you guys could even evaluate and go, why am I resisting authority? Is it because there was an a, aggressive authoritarian um, approach towards parenting in the family I grew up in? Yeah. Or maybe there was some sort of um, 
spiritual abuse that has occurred somewhere in your past because of authority, right? Like um, a a youth pastor maybe crossing a boundary and and abusing a child in a youth group. And then that child grows up to be a parent and they have issues with authority. So you could ask, literally ask yourself, like, why is this happening in our home? Why is it that I feel this desire to have to please all of my kids and cook them different meals? Why is it that I'm not like, willing to let them help out with things and i feel like i have to do it all why do i have this mom guilt that oh i'm having them help Mm -hmm. i feel so bad i'm not a good mom why is it that we as parents are soft when it comes to like seeing um potential bad fruit in a friend Mm -hmm. and not putting our foot down and going you know what I'm seeing some bad fruit in your life. And so you're not going to spend time with this kid until you are treating us nice here in our home first. You know, like there are so many aspects to this that you could literally go through each of them and go, why is this? Did I personally have an experience as a child myself? And is that... Is that what's influencing me to make these bad parenting decisions? Sometimes we're weak in areas we're trying to fix our own hurts from the past and just realize it's yeah. not going to make things better. It might even make it worse for your kids. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, you're, that's so good, Isaac. I literally am reminded of the scripture verse in the Old Testament that talks about sins being passed down for mm-hmm. the third and fourth generations. You guys, a lot of what we our heart is in this ministry is that that you would leave a new legacy. Amen. Like none of us grew up in perfect homes. None of us have perfect homes, but we need to be aware, eyes open, looking at how we were raised and going, is that biblical? Maybe we should change that so that the legacy changes and it starts with me. Yeah. You know what I mean? So you might have a child-centric home if number five happens, which is you can't talk to your spouse or other adults without kids constantly interrupting you. So little disclaimer, kids constantly interrupting you. We're not talking about like the three-year-old that is learning how to be patient and they have a hard time interrupting. They maybe haven't been taught or got that yet. Yeah. Right. Um, But it is something that kids can learn. And so kids at age, I'll just say like five years old and up. Yeah. There should be enough training having having been done in the first five years where they have respect for other people enough to know that interrupting is rude. Yeah. That doesn't mean that they don't come and talk, but that they can wait patiently, that they just kind of put their hand on mom or dad. But it really shows other people that really your kids run the home. Yeah, it really does. When they're constantly interrupting other people, even it's maybe not even just you. Yeah, there's a that's a lack of respect and um, it's a lack of self control. Yeah, yeah. Now we shouldn't overly judge each other at all, but it's just something we should all work on. We should all teach right. our kids to be respectful and respect authority and so mm-hmm. forth. So this is just one of the signs. Yep. Number six, it is really hard to say no. Okay, you guys, we number six is like a parenting philosophy of this decade, of mm-hmm. this century. And it's the whole, you know, want to please your child, don't ever tell them no, consent parenting, yeah. philosophy of parenting. And I, it makes me really sad because it's, if you can't, if you don't teach your kids what no means and to respect other people's boundaries, yeah. then when they grow up and they're older, they can become the kind of people that, I mean, that's just dangerous, actually. Yeah. You know, I just think about um, older 
people who don't take no for an answer. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's where rape situations happen where, I mean, that's a really extreme one, but I'm just saying like, we need to teach our kids that when someone says no, that's their boundary and their no means no. And it's okay. Even good sometimes to tell them the why behind it. But as a parent, you actually shouldn't have to. So you shouldn't have to, but it is wise Mm -hmm. communication to also share the why's behind it. Unless it's an urgent situation where you don't yeah. have the time. Okay. So right here it says, but let your yes be yes and your no, no. For whatever is more than these is from the evil one. Wow. So if you cool. can't just say yes or no, if there's more than that, if you're adding long sentences, confusing words, you're just a, it, it could be a form of exasperation. Oh, that's really good. That's convicting to me because sometimes I try to like, I don't like saying no. I want to be a yes mom. Yeah. I'll just be honest because I can relate to the moms out there, especially when you're saying no to a lot of things and you feel this conviction to like start saying yes to things more purposefully. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you've been there. I've been there. But then you're like, I just don't think I can make it work. If I say yes, it's going to be putting too much on my plate. Um, Maybe if X, Y, and Z happen, then I can make it happen. And then guess what happens when you actually have to say no because it doesn't work out? Massive disappointment. Maybe even pushback. Maybe even tears. Maybe even like teenage size temper tantrum. I'll just be honest. Just make your yes be yes and your no be no. Yeah, we want them to respond well to know, so they have to be well-practiced since they're young. Uh, yeah, and we want them to be able to communicate with other people what they're when they're saying yes and when they're saying no. And if you don't ever give them clear direction, then how are they going to do that to other people? Yeah, all these little things that seem little blow up into big deals over a span of 10 years of parenting. 15 years of parenting. And you know what? I I just, I'll say something that an old mentor of mine said many years ago, back when we were living in Portland, Mm -hmm. Annie just told me, Angie, you do realize no is a complete sentence, right? Oh, she was great. Yeah. Yeah. That was, it empowered me to start saying no when people were asking me to do too much. Yeah. So point number seven is when you put your kids over your marriage. I don't think people admit Mm. to that one, but this one happens a lot. Yeah. So here are some examples of what we're talking about. Um, Maybe you can never leave your children at home with a babysitter to go on a date night, like ever, Mm -hmm. because your kids will freak out if you leave them, Mm -hmm. right? That could be one example. Um, Another would be not being able to have a conversation with your husband without your kids interrupting. We talked about the interrupting earlier, but- Or sleep problems. Like there's manipulation happening where kids are just wanting to sleep with parents. Right. But they don't actually need to, and they might be making up that they're scared. You have to discern that because sometimes they really are. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's all kinds of ways that kids could come in between parents. Mm -hmm. Um, Even, for example, you know, even when a kid like asks a mom a question, she says no, and then they automatically go to the parent and ask the same question to try to get a yes. Mm -hmm. And it can create division, but then how you handle it proves if your kids are more important than your marriage, right? Because if if then the dad says yes, and there's a fight between Mm -hmm. the husband and a wife, and instead of going, 
I made a bad mistake. (laughs) I need to go confront that child and say, you came in between us. The answer is no. And now you're not going to get it for a week. Instead of that happening, they fight with each other. They put the kid over their marriage. How about just a level of focus? I mean, a lot of what we talk about on the podcast and even in the Parenting Mentor Program is marriage. And a lot yeah. of the lives we do is about marriage it's and, true. because you, you marriage is such a critical part to effective parenting. But if you only focus on the kids, you're only learning about parenting and these things, then you're going to miss out. you got to focus on the marriage. Also, yes. Yeah, it is mm-hmm. crucial. Okay, number eight. What's number eight? The number eight reason or sign that you might have a child-centric home is fear of your child's behavior and allowing it to drive your decisions. So what are some examples of this? Oh, well, it could be scared of how they're going to act so we don't go out to eat. Oh, yeah. We've been there before. Yeah. I mean, with our first baby, she was just a couple days old and we tried going out to a restaurant and she screamed the whole time and we were like, what do we do? We're never going to be able to eat out again. We're not going to have people over. We're going to cancel plans. Not because of a good thing of, you know. Like, oh, we're punishing our kids. Reprimanding our kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's like, oh, I think they're probably going to be bad because of what's already happened today. Right. Yeah. And so we can't ever have people over to our home because it'll ruin the schedule. Or or it could be the previous one. I'm not going to say no because I know what's about to happen. I don't have time right now to deal with it. Oh, interesting because they know their child's going to have a fit if they say no because that's what they typically do. Or the behavior is a lot Mm -hmm. different when you're in public than in private. And so you have fear of their kids' behaviors driving your decisions to be soft when other people are watching. Yeah, that could be good. Going, Taking your kids to the grocery store, right? Like. Personally, I love taking my kids to the grocery store with me. It can be a little bit exhausting when I have like all the younger ones only with me because I'm trying to get some things. But my perspective has to change when I go to the grocery store. It's more of a training session with my I know that was a process for you. Early on, it wasn't always as easy. Yeah, it's interesting. Now I'm like, hey, can I just take four? (laughs) (laughs) Now they're helpers. But uh, we have small ones you still take though. Um, So uh, 2 Timothy 1.7 says... For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So if you have a spirit of fear in you regarding your kid's behavior, there is something wrong. If it's causing you not to do good things you feel like you should be able to do, there is a problem. Right. And if you have a sound mind, it's actually going to be because you're in the word. And if you're in the word, you're going to be parenting biblically. And then your kids are probably not going to react the way that you're currently fearing. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. No, no kids are perfect. They're going to act out sometimes, but we should not fear that. Mm -hmm. Okay. We should Mm -hmm. not fear that. And we should do the things we feel we're supposed to do. Number nine is we could be, if, if you have a child centric home, a sign of it might be stifling their maturity. Right. I mean, it's interesting. I wrote a blog post a while ago, pretty popular blog post. Are you paralyzing your child's spiritual maturity? Yeah. Or your child's spiritual growth. Because I think a lot of parents hold their kids back without realizing it. Mm -hmm. And that is a dangerous place to be in. And one way that you can judge if you're doing that is based upon if you're actually trusting your child to be growing spiritually and you allow them to experience situations where they're going to be challenged. Mm -hmm. And you wait. You let them make the decisions, right? And so if you're stifling their maturity, then you're going to have a home that's like the kids are never taking responsibility for their dirty clothes. Mm -hmm. Right. 
so the house is a mess. There, you're, you might be stifling their maturity spiritually if you're never having discussions and asking their opinion on things, mm-hmm. right? Um, you could be potentially stifling their maturity if you don't trust them or to they make don't experience decisions. real consequences. Right. If you're protecting them from experiencing consequences. Right. So instead of them, uh, I don't know, getting that um, having to pay the ticket, they mm-hmm. get a speeding ticket. Mm-hmm. Right. And they should be paying for the speeding ticket. Yeah. Do you think they're going to learn the lesson if mommy and daddy pay the speeding ticket? So funny. I just read in the news that um, a father gave his son a brand new BMW, um, but he wanted a Jaguar. So he pushed it into the river. So, Are you joking me? No, it was on national news. <laughs> so I like finding these stories and stuff because it just motivates me to be, do the right thing as a dad. Like you do not want to have entitled kids. Yeah, that's a real okay. I don't even know, but that's <laughs> going to put me on a soapbox. We need to move on to number ten. Number ten is a home covered in toys. That's right. Now, okay, so there's a balance on this one. And this is the balance, okay? You, 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 I see this sign all over craft stores. I have a messy house because I'm a good mom, mm. or you know, because they care more about the relationship than they do about being like ultra OCD about everything being clean. Okay, again, let me repeat myself. There are ditches on either side of the road. You can become you. You might be in a ditch. On one side of the road, if your house is always clean and you're not spending enough time looking at your kids in the eyes, sitting, reading them a book, delighting in them, blowing bubbles with them, blah, 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 blah. Okay. But the other side of the ditch is that you are so fun as a mom that your kids never clean up the toys. Never. I mean, never. And so they don't learn responsibility. They don't learn stewardship. Mm -hmm. They don't learn taking care of the things that God has given them. Mm -hmm. And then you are, if, if, if the house ever winds up clean, it's because mom cleaned it up. Mm. Right. But you know, the, the truth is, is you can tell if a, if it's a child run home, if you walk into a house and there's toys everywhere, I mean, everywhere, which stifles hospitality. You may not be having people over because your kids run your home because you're embarrassed. Yeah. Right. And I get it. Like, can I just say actually that that, yeah, you probably should get rid of some of your stuff mm-hmm. or maybe teach your kids to put things away. Like we get one toy out at a time. Yeah. And I don't mean one Lego block. Yeah. One Duplo. I mean, and like they leave a box things, of Duplos it, and then they put it away. And, and if we they get leave things on the ground, garbage man comes big garbage bag. I throw everything on the floor in the room in it and I hide it in the garage. And they have to earn it back. I've even put clothes in there. I know you have. We haven't had to do garbage man in many years. I know. It's it been a good very, seven or eight years. Very it was, effective. Yeah. We did that when we lived in Damascus. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, number 11 is if you can never leave. Now, we mentioned this regarding like going on a date with your husband, right? Yeah. But can you ever go out with a girlfriend? Yeah. Because I actually have experienced situations with friends where they're like, oh, no, I can't leave my kids with my husband even. Mm. And I'm like, why? They're like, oh, he just doesn't know how to take care of a baby. And I'm like, then let him learn. Yeah. Like, And don't call it babysitting. It's uh -uh. it's dad being a father. It's parenthood. Parenthood. You're parenting together. Yeah. And so you shouldn't have to get a babysitter to go out and see a friend every now and again. And and that, that is a message for both moms and dads. Yeah. Okay. Because... I'm a woman. Mm-hmm. 
Isaac is a man. Mm-hmm. We are also glad you made that clear. husband and wife. We are also <laughs> dad and mom. <laughs> like there are many aspects to who we are, and you have to purposefully carve out time to um, nurture those aspects of who you are. Oh yeah, and you can't do that if you always have your kids with you. Yeah. So one one true test of if, if you have a child centric home is if you can never leave your kids. Okay. Mm. So the number final 12. one, number 12, don't be a helicopter mom because that's a sign you have a child-centric home. Okay. Helicopter moms. I think there's been a lot written on helicopter moms because yeah. this is a very common term. Yeah. And you guys, I, I've been parenting for 19 years and in ministry for about half of that. And the truth is, is that I have seen helicopter moms where their kids are toddlers and babies. Yeah. yeah. But I've also seen those moms grow up and have teenage slash college age students and they're still helicopter moms. Yeah. And they never allowed God to sanctify them through that process. Mm-hmm. And the saddest thing to me is that those kids don't actually have a loving respect for their moms Mm -hmm. and what their moms have done for them because the moms are just so overbearing. So, um, you know, and I'm not talking about harsh in a punishment kind of way. What I'm talking about is so up in their business at all times, always there to pick them up. Whenever they fell, they had to catch them. Oh no, it was such a big deal. Oh, is your knee okay? And, you know, just like constantly trailing behind the kids, hovering like a helicopter. Mm -hmm. And, It's not, okay, I know that this is a sensitive subject, and again, there are definitely extremes to this, because there's an aspect of being a good parent, and you don't want your kids to fall and get hurt, and I get that. Yeah. But sometimes kids need to fall, and they have to pick themselves up in order to learn how to walk. So if you have found common ground with just a few of these, lots of these, or even one of these, then I would pray about it. I would ask God to help you in that area. Ask a mentor or a mentor you already have to hold you accountable in that area and get wisdom about it. Look at the Bible, what the scriptures say further than what we've said here about that issue or those Mm -hmm. issues, because it will make your parenting harder if you have a child-centric home. And the tragedy of that is you might decide to have less kids. God God might have a bigger plan for you with more kids. Oh, it'll it'll affect every major lifestyle choice that you make. It'll determine where you go to church. Like, guys, even schedules, like, you know that we are totally for kids need structure. Schedules are a good thing. Having nap times when kids are under seven, like, we are all for that. Yeah. Right? However, you also need to teach your kids flexibility. Yeah. And, like, if they miss a nap here or there in a month, it really should, they shouldn't melt to pieces over it actually. And you definitely should not be so rigid that you can't go and be there for that friend who's having a miscarriage or you can't go to the family reunion because of it. Now, I'm going to share one lie I've told my kids. So if you didn't listen all the way, you're missing this. Um, And I don't like to lie to my kids, but this is one I have. And I have mixed feelings about it. You don't even know what I'm going to say. I don't. I'm literally looking at him going, we don't lie about Santa Claus. We don't do that. No. But when we go eat Chinese food, Oh. I have lied about what the fortune cookie says. He's done this since our oldest kid. You and guys. I don't like it because I lied, but I don't like what those things say. 
No, I know. So it's and a dilemma. Fun. It's a little bit of a and, dilemma. And I'm confessing about, here. You're talking about the little kids. The little kids, so, yeah. So, so like so if, if they can't read, they always bring daddy the little fortune cookie thing. Yeah. And they go, daddy, what does it say? And what do you tell them? I say, well, it's in Ephesians 6. Uh, children, obey your parents and the Lord for this is right. He so just that's says what, it every single that's what, time. That's what the Tolpins fortune Chinese. cookies say always. from age you know, one to six, basically. <laughs> and they believe me and they're like, whoa, it said it again. I know. And they believe. And then the older kids all giggle. Yeah. But I don't condone lying, but that was just an interesting thing. But you do. The point here is you want to teach your kids to obey you because God says this is right. And if they don't obey you, they'll have a hard time obeying God. And if you're a soft parent, if you have a child-centered home where they are ruling the roost, ruling the roost, they are not going to obey God, most likely. It's true. So thanks for joining us. See you next time. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode. We wanted to quickly tell you about our six-week online parenting mentor program. Isaac and I created a powerful biblical curriculum. Here's how it works. Each week, Isaac and I release a video with a downloadable parenting packet to make it easy for you and your spouse to incorporate those teachings directly into your parenting. It's an incredible program where we cover everything from obedience, training, to overcoming mistakes most Christians are making. But more than that, it's an incredible community. You'll have access to our private online group, live webcasts, and the Courageous Parenting text message line where Angie and I can send you weekly encouragements straight to your phone. If you're interested in joining our next online parenting mentorship program, secure your spot now at CourageousParenting.com. That's CourageousParenting.com.